sixth season of NSN begins tomorrow. Looking forward to that as well. Houston is Thursday and Friday. We'll be flying down Thursday and Friday's Jam in the AM with our friends, our brothers and sisters down in Houston, Texas. Have a uh, good Labor Day, everybody. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future. You've been listening to JM in the AM. Coming up next, The Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten on the Nachum Siegel Network at NachumSiegel.com. Yud Gimel Elul, Tafshin Ayin Zayin, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. A sunrise on my darkest day Quit this feeling I just can't shake Learn how to savor every moment slowly Slowly I'm going to speak to you all the Shoo, <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
that I have a chance to play uh, a cut from the Maca Beats, the great acapella group, but they put one out just uh, last week, and it has um, a lot of Hebrew lyrics in it, Despacito. I know it's a very popular song in the uh, non-Jewish world, and then it became popular in the Jewish world. I never heard it before, but it's great, and it's cool, and it's sort of like, take your time, take it easy, everything will pass. And uh, I believe that they're doing this to help raise funds for the city of Houston and uh, all the difficulties that they're going through. Welcome in, one and all, to this live edition of The Israel Show, coming to you immediately after JM in the AM, as we do each and every Monday. 9 a.m. Israel time, 4 p.m. No, 9 a.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Israel time, and whatever time it is, wherever you are, that's the time we're on. And we're available on demand as well via the Nachum Siegel Network app where you can actually download the show and listen to download it while you're on Wi-Fi. So it doesn't cost you any data money if, you're, if your data plan is working, is, um, is, is not unlimited. And um, listen to it whenever you want in the car or, or, or while you're working out or whatever it is. You can do that also. And on the website, of course, NachumSiegel.com. Thank you so much for joining us, making us a part of your week. Wow, there's so much stuff going on. I don't know where to start. North Korea. Is there anything we can learn from North Korea? It seems so far away, North Korea. And they're really threatening South Korea. And what do we really have to do with all that? Oh, no, there is a direct connection to Israel and the situation in North Korea. We'll talk about that. We'll continue our discussion. We started last week um, analyzing the letter of uh, letter that was just revealed that Rav Shach sent. Rav Shach was the Rosh Hashiva of Panovich. In 1978, he sent this letter to Menachem Begin, who was Prime Minister of Israel, who was in the midst of heavy negotiations um, regarding uh, the peace treaty between Israel and Egypt, and Rav Shach wrote him this letter, and it's, we we can learn much from this letter about what differentiates, I believe, the Torah world's viewpoint, the Shiva world, I should say, viewpoint um, about Zionism and the state of Israel, and the religious Zionist viewpoint about the same subject. We'll get to that. Hopefully, we'll finish everything we have planned for today. School started in Israel. September the 1st is when it starts. The school started in Israel uh, on Friday. And this is one of those songs that is they always play it on Israeli radio, and it's very cool, so we'll play it here too. Kol Ode, Yoni Richter, and uh, Avner Kenner, or Kenner, and uh, it's a song about a kid going to school and the father watching behind as the kid goes off to school and the father stays out, the father's not going in, and uh, it's it's a very uh, touching and beautiful song. So um, it's a classic, and it's a open the the opening school day one of the opening school day classics in Israel, and um, so we're going to share it with you as well. Yoni Wechter, Avner Kanner, Kol Ode. My name is Mary Wangan. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Yeah, let's go. 
ברחוב בבוקר בהיר של תשרי, אל בית הספר שוב יוצאים הילדים. גבר הולך אחריו, משגיח רואה לא נראה, ורק אחר כך הוא עומד שם ורואה. איך עוד שנה פה נפתחת כמו כל שנה בסתיו? איך בן הולך לו לבד ואב בעקבותיו? to represent so many of these programs, and this is uh, not in any order, but um, Harova, Mijeshet Harova, MMY, Nishmat, Mivaseret, Torah Chraga, Oraita, Mijeshet Moria, Mijeshet Amit, Tiferet, Reshit Yerushalayim, Ashreinu, Leif HaTorah, Netiv Aryeh, Tom Redvorah, and um, Israel Experience at Bar-Ilan. Those are the ones we represent. There are others as well. And uh, we are just sending everybody the, the best wishes for an, a wonderful year ahead. 
Today is a huge exodus. <laughs> it sounds like hundreds of kids are leaving today. I guess uh, the Israel program is making use of the Labor Day holiday here in the United States to um, have the kids come over and have their parents be able to go to the airport conveniently to see them off. So uh, if you're selling tissues, you should be at JFK <laughs> today. Uh, did I say my name is Mayor Weingarten? You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. So... Um, the news over the weekend is that North Korea continues with its nuclear quote-unquote provocations. And this report from the Algeminer says Iran will be watching how the world reacts to North Korea's latest nuclear test, says former defense minister and former chief of staff Moshe Yaalon, also known as Bogi Yaalon or Bogi Yaalon posted on his Twitter feed. I mean, the whole world, it seems, is being uh, is being run by Twitter, between the President of the United States and the politicians in Israel. Um, and he writes, the response of the international community led by the U.S. to the North Korean regime's provocations will be reflected in the Iranian regime's behavior on the nuclear issue in the near future. And that should worry us. And um, he is one voice of many who are saying that don't think North Korea is far away and, and they only care about South Korea and they, they really has nothing to do with us. Because let us all remember a few things. Number one, North Korea is the country that gave Syria all the know-how material and so forth, to build a nuclear reactor, which Israel, in yet another miraculous um, miraculous maneuver, if you will, bombed Israel Air Force aircrafts following the impeccable intelligence of the Mossad, bombed the nuclear reactor and destroyed it to the ground. And at the time, Israel came to the U.S. and and President Bush, the second, the younger, was president at the time. And Israel asked the U.S. to either bomb the reactor or help Israel or give Israel the okay. And and the U.S., although agreeing that there was a nuclear reactor being built there, did not approve. And Israel said, "Well, then we're going to go it alone." And that credit, I must say, goes to Ehud Olmert. I'm not a big fan, but. On this issue, he he had guts and he moved and he did the right thing for Israel. That nuclear reactor was supplied by North Korea. Also, this is very important, Iran is watching. Iran's watching how, how we are going to all react. And if we're going to just keep silent like we've been doing all these years, Iran has its green light to just keep going, to break the deal, to produce nuclear weapons, God forbid. I want to remind you of something. It's going back to October of 1994. Bill Clinton, President Clinton at the time, 1994. Listen to this. um, It's like one minute. Beginning of his announcement about the deal that was just signed with North Korea. And try and imagine in your head as you're listening to this, this is in 1994, a deal that was signed North Korea, and try and imagine what, what, I should say, how ridiculous it might look as we look back at it today. Today I want to announce an important step forward in the situation in North Korea. This afternoon we have received formal confirmation from North Korea that it will freeze the major elements of its nuclear program while a new round of talks between our nations proceeds. In response, we are informing the North Koreans that we are ready to go forward with a new round of talks in Geneva early next month. North Korea has assured us that while we go forward with these talks, it will not reload its five megawatt reactor with new fuel or reprocess spent fuel. We have also been assured that the IAEA will be allowed to keep its inspectors and monitoring equipment in place 
at the Yongbyon nuclear facility, thus allowing verification of North Korea's agreement. We welcome this very positive development, which restores the basis for talks between North Korea and the United States. Do you understand the folly of this? Oh, the North Koreans assured us of blah, blah, and assured us of blah, 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 and yada, yada. And, and here's another quote from that uh, little announcement. This agreement will help achieve a long-standing and vital American objective, an end to the threat of nuclear proliferation on the Korean Peninsula. Understand that this was in 1994, very long time ago. And in the interim, all the presidents of the United States did nothing, including George W. Bush and surely President Obama. And now we turn around and the North Koreans uh, have a nuclear bomb. Just a matter of time. Maybe even a hydrogen bomb. Compare and contrast, as they sometimes say. Here's another announcement made in July of 2015 by a President of the United States. Today, after two years of negotiations, the United States, together with our international partners, has achieved something that decades of animosity has not. A comprehensive, long-term deal with Iran that will prevent it from obtaining a nuclear weapon. This deal demonstrates that American diplomacy can bring about real and meaningful change. Change that makes our country and the world safer and more secure. That's like, <laughs> he almost copied his speech. Oh, we're going to be safer, and the world is safer, and it's American diplomacy that did it, because we don't need to go to war. We just need to have talks with these evil, evil people who want to destroy us and want to take over humanity in the name of, in the case of Iran, of of Islam. In the case of North Korea, in the name of insanity, I guess. I don't know. We learn nothing, and, and by the way, one of the culprits is... The media that doesn't hype this up, why is this clip of Bill Clinton not being shown over and over and over again? How does this man not only show his face in public, but is lauded by all the leftists as such a great, oh, he's so terrific, Bill and Hillary. It's folly, it's ridiculousness, it's, it's, it's stupidity. And Bush, I must say, didn't do anything to stop it. He just, it seems, he just, you know, like he was a no-show. And President Obama just made it worse by giving Iran a similar deal where they can build a nuclear bomb. Alan Dershowitz wrote... After the passing of the, uh, after the uh, executive order that was the deal with Iran, we failed to prevent North Korea from developing nuclear weapons. As a result, our options to stop them from developing a delivery system capable of reaching our shores are severely limited. The hard lesson from our failure to stop North Korea before they became a nuclear power is that we must stop Iran from ever developing or acquiring a nuclear arsenal. A nuclear Iran would be far more dangerous to American interests than a nuclear North Korea. And I should add, this is my words, not his, the danger to Israel would be even greater and more immediate. And he made a proposal, Alan Dershowitz did, as uh, one of the leading law professors in the United States. Congress should now enact legislation. Now, don't forget that Iran deal was never passed through Congress. It was some sort of an executive order, but Trump, who claims it was the worst deal ever made ever for anything on the face of the earth in the history of the human of humankind uh, has done nothing to stop it either. But Congress should now enact legislation, writes uh, Dershowitz, declaring that Iran's reaffirmation that it will never develop or acquire nuclear weapons is an integral part of the agreement and represents the policy of the United States. It is too late to change the words of the deal, but it is not too late 
for Congress to insist that Iran comply fully with all of its provisions, even those in the preamble. Congress, he, he, he sums it up, Congress should authorize the president to take military action against Iran's nuclear weapons program if it were to cross the red line that was set up by the conditions of the agreement. Nobody's listening. Nobody's listening. Nobody's doing a thing. And we all go merrily on our way, not realizing what horrific consequences we may face in the near future. Go to some music. We'll come back and continue our discussion from last week. Uh, this is, uh, where did we want to go? We wanted to go to here. Keter Melucha. Yoni Genot. With a bunch of other Israeli um, artists. From the Tefillah of uh, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Keter Melucha. My name is Mayor Weingart and you're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
big favorite of ours here at J at J at the Israel Show. It's uh, Yoni Genut with uh, Keter Milucha, which is also known as Ve'yetayu. Ve'yetayu Kole of Decha from the Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur liturgy of the Ashkenazim. There are beautiful piyutim of the Sephardim and beautiful piyutim of the Ashkenazim, and they are very different. One day, maybe we'll get to that also. We are doing part two of our uh, analysis. We, we didn't get to finish part one last week. We didn't get to finish it, so last week was part one. The background is that um, the uh, Egyptian president, Anwar Sadat, had come to Israel Not long after the election, the historic election of Menachem Begin to Prime Minister, he sent out feelers. He understood that Menachem Begin is a man who could make a decision. He decided to take a bold step on our Sadat, buck the entire Arab world, and make his way to Israel. He spoke for the Knesset. He thought, that's it. He'll come to Israel. He'll say, we all want to make peace with you. And all you have to do is... Give us what you took in the 1967 war, and everything will be fine. But um, not so simple, <laughs> clearly. Before the ultimately at Camp David, Menachem Begin agreed to two major things. One was that Israel will withdraw from all of the Sinai Peninsula which it took from Egypt it will destroy any towns that were there and especially one large town Yamit but there were many others they had to be destroyed the people expelled and all that given to Egypt and second and many people forget this Menachem Begin also agreed to some form of autonomy for the Palestinian Arabs in Yehudan Shomron. Menachem Siegel often quotes his father, Zichrona Levracha, that Menachem Begin was the first, ironically enough, to recognize that there is uh, an entity called the Palestinian people and they deserve some sort of a political entity. Anyway, Rav Shach was the leader of the Litvish world, the Rosh Yeshiva of the Panovich Yeshiva. He wrote a letter in, the, in between Sadat's coming to Israel and the Camp David uh, conference. He wrote a letter to Menachem Begin in which he laid out what I would say is the, um, the Yeshivish, Litvish, European even, I would say, pre-Holocaust viewpoint of the state of Israel, that we have to, that the state of Israel should, should um, well, probably he felt should, the state of Israel shouldn't have been founded in the first place, but if it is, it's got to um, allow itself to, it should behave in a way that doesn't uh, provoke the nations of the world, we should do what everybody tells us to do, we shouldn't go out on our own and do things that might anger others based on the Shvuot, the three oaths that appear in a Gemara, a Gadata Gemara in uh, Masechet Kitubot 101 and um, and he also said and this is where we left off I believe last, last week that don't don't be so high and mighty about holding holding out for not destroying the settlements in the northern Sinai. You should not make an issue of them. You should compromise and just just concede, not compromise, concede. And he says, and then 
when the day will come that God will have mercy upon us and will remember us, everything will be returned to us. Meaning the way Rav Shach and the Yeshiva world see what's happening now is not that this is the beginning of our Gula, the beginning of the process, or maybe even further than that. That we are in the midst, and, and this is the religious Zionist view, we are in the midst of a long process which is called Geula, redemption. And it started, some would say, with the students of the Gra, and some would say a little later, and some would say in the mid-1800s. Whatever it is, it started a while back, and it's a process, unlike what we are often led to believe, that it's some sort of a moment in time when there's a chauffeur will blow and everything will change and everything goes from dark to light. It can't, because we couldn't deal with all the light if we were just in the darkness and it went from total darkness to great light. That uh, famous Gemara that we often quote about, Ayala Tashachar, that the Gula is a process like the sunrise that comes up slowly. And, um, and so the religious Zionists would say, we are in this process. God has remembered us now and has given this to us. Why should we give it away now? Why? Because if, only if you refuse to see this today, our times, 1967 and onward, or 1948 and onward, 1967 and onward, as time of redemption when God is remembering us and doing miracles on our behalf so that we should return to our land, and miracles there are. Only if you don't recognize that would you say, well, eventually we'll get it back anyway. And then Rav Shach writes, And by the way, I'm sorry, um, the letter, I posted the letter on our Facebook page, uh, um, actual copy of the letter. You can um, see it there, download it there, um, and um, you can you can read it on your own. It, this letter, by the way, was hidden, was not revealed until a few weeks ago by one of the politicians of the Aguda who had an agenda and a reason for releasing it. And after reading it, I often wonder if maybe whoever hit it was was pretty smart. I've decided to write all this to, to you, your honor. Um, meaning, I follow closely your actions, your policies. I get the impression... Shikvodo, it's amazing how the word kvodo keeps coming up. Kvodo, your honor, your right. Shikvodo in 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 third person. Shikvodo anashim sheinamit amkim kedabai You are easily swayed by people that are around you that don't really delve into the depths of the topic as serious and responsible as it is being that they're close to you I guess members of the Likud party people that were with him from the Etzel onward and so forth you Menachem Begin are impressed by them even though they, according to Rav Shach, they're, they, they, they're not serious people. Even though I hope that while you do listen to them, you don't, you will not accept their policy, their thoughts, halachalamase. That you that 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 would be what you would carry out, meaning you, the Prime Minister of Israel, is surrounded by people who you've known for many years, but they're not, they're politicians and they're not smart and they don't understand anything, and um, you shouldn't listen to them. I, I and and I hope you don't. Not only that, says Rav Shach. Again, kvodo, kvodo, right, Your Honor. 
לא יתפעל, בעניין זה מאנשים מפורסמים, you shouldn't get all excited and awed by famous names, by famous people who also chime in and um, try to influence your decisions on this matter. שהשקפתם לא נובעת מההלכה הנצחית ומדעת התורה, כפי שנמסר לנו מדור דור. Because their way of looking at the world, their hashkafa, the policies that they would enact, is not sourced in halacha. Well, yeah, that's for sure. Umidat Torah, kefishin himself an umidor dor. Rav Shach is basically putting himself up and saying, um, I represent the true Torah vision of what should happen. I'm advising you to do this, to agree, to concede to the Egyptian demands. And don't listen to all these other people. Don't, don't, don't get, you know, don't get um, so excited or so impressed by famous names. Now, I could only imagine that the famous names that he's referring to here are many of the generals that Menachem Begin used to uh, rely on. Moshe Dayan was his foreign minister. Ariel Sharon was a close advisor. Ezer Weitzman was a minister of defense. Don't listen to them. Don't be awed by their being very popular people. And don't listen to your, your Likud party people, your Anche Shlomo. Just listen to me. This is an, I believe it's just like an amazing paragraph. Basically, while... Rav Shach is calling Menachem Begin your honor. He has zero really honor for him. Basically saying, I, I, I can't trust you to think for yourself. I can't trust your colleagues to take this seriously. I can't trust all these generals and these famous people to give you the right advice because who are they? They don't know anything. And you are swayed by them. You're swayed by their, you're impressed by their big names. You're swayed by the fact that they've been with you all these years. I don't know, that's not kvodo. It seems that Rav Shach is belittling Menachem Begin. I don't understand what the purpose of that is. What is he saying to Begin? Don't listen to anybody around you, just listen to me because I represent the... um, the Torah view from generations on. I mean, do you think that that would have um, impressed Menachem Begin, considering that the main issue here was security and that Rav Shach, um, I believe, never served in the army and make, made sure that his students didn't serve in the army so that Rav Shach would have a, a, a better understanding of the army position, of the security position? But that is, in the yeshiva world, that is the concept of Das Torah, where whoever represents Das Torah has, um, has the right to make a decision in any aspect of life, and that that decision is the one that is mandated to us by Torah. Religious Zionist world says there are rabbis, and they, they, take, um, they are asked questions that are halachic, but things that have to do with politics, military, and so forth, we would go and consult with those that are in the military and those that are in other issues, just like a doctor on, in, in a med- medical issue. The rabbi would say, go consult with the doctor. And then Rav Shach continues, Baruch regesh. It's very hard to make a concession which is, which is against your emotions. And don't forget, we understand that Menachem Begin emotionally would have, would, it killed him to have to take apart Yamit. Especially when this emotion is a religious, is ostensibly, l'chura, a religious emotion. So Rav Shach is saying, I understand that you, Menachem Begin, are, are, have a tremendous feeling towards Eretz Yisrael, and you think that it comes from the basis of the Torah, 
Yeah, but that's not really. It's l'chorah regeshtati. Aval chovato shel ishachrai, the responsibility of a responsible person, asher machriya be'inyan pikuach nefesh, who is going to make a decision that has ramifications of life and death, l'itromeim me'al l'arigashot, rise above your emotions, u'lechalkelet ma'asav, rak l'fiyasechal hayashar, only based... You should make your decision based only on logic and your um, um, thought. Vizeh al da'at Torah. So again, the way I'm seeing it, he's belittling Menachem Begin again. Basically saying, yeah, I know you're an emotional guy. You think that you have a connection to Eretz Yisrael. You think it's religious. It's not... And uh, this is a serious decision. It's a life and death. Do you think Menachem Begin didn't understand that this was a life and death decision? This is a man who made life and death decisions every day when he was at the head of the Etzel. We could go on and on, but if you want to get a good idea, get Daniel Gordis's biography of Menachem Begin and see how the decisions he made in 1947, 46 and 47, when he was at the head of the Etzel, hiding from the British, and he made decisions of, for example, when the Haganah and Ben-Gurion, after the state was declared, fired on a boat called the Altalena, famous story, the boat that was carrying other Etzel members and arms that the Etzel was bringing to Israel. Let's not get into the whole issue now, but Menachem Begin was on the boat as the Haganah was firing, and they could have fired back the Etzel people on the boat. They had a lot of weapons there. And Menachem Begin said, no, we will not have a civil war. I don't care what, what happens. Even if we die on the boat, we're not going to have a civil war. These are decisions, life and death decisions, and, and national decisions that this man took and it seems that Rav Shach is like belittling him in this letter, and that's somewhat troubling. Maybe, as I said, maybe the, those who held back the letter did so um, with uh, this in mind, that it, it doesn't necessarily shed light, uh, shed a positive light on the way this, uh, the, uh, a good leadership, the yeshiva leadership viewed Menachem Begin. As I said, it's posted on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. You can look at it there. You can listen to last week's show. It's on the archives at, uh, on our Facebook page. And uh, No, not on our Facebook page. The archives are on the NachumSiegel.com website and on the NachumSiegel Network app. And we'll go to uh, Kumi Tzi, recently released by Odelia Berlin. The words written by Chaim Nachman Bialik, the melody, the ly- the uh, melody, yes, the composition composed by Naomi Shemer, two pretty big giants. Uh, my name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Alice Bayer, where are we? Tachach, where do 
a remake of a classic. I know that my mother is tuned in. This morning, this is something that she grew up with. Kumitzi Achoti Kala, written by Chaim Nachman Bialik Melody by Naomi Shemer. So I, uh, this is a shout-out. A shout-out to uh, my mom and to uh, Joanna who's with her and um, all those people who are... Um, taking good care of her over at Chaim Salman. We thank you uh, all. Um, I want to remind you that Nahum Siegel will be in Houston broadcasting from the Jewish community in Houston and trying to help us understand and assess what it means to be in the situation that they're in. An incredible opportunity to give chizuk to the community who needs it. The Jewish Unity Initiative. So, um, they're going to be doing, I believe, Thursday and Friday shows from Houston. They're leaving here on Wednesday. Thursday and Friday shows from Houston. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be something that you don't want to miss. Earlier this morning, and if you can go back to the archives of JM and the AM, find this interview, great interview with a person who I have tremendous admiration for, Israeli journalist Ivan Rav Meir. We've spoken about her here on this show many times. Uh, in fact, uh, she was uh, one of the people that we pointed out of uh, their... Uh, something special about them where she gave up the opportunity to be the moderator, the MC for the Chidon Tanakh when she found out that the previous moderator of Shalom Kor was uh, fired in a improper way and not that he was uh, leaving on his own and she gave it up and that was pretty amazing. Uh, I've often quoted from her Yudhira Chonot columns and used that as material here and I'm going to do it now again. I have something that she wrote about last week, and I prepared it, didn't have a chance to use it, so we'll use it now. She pointed out that Evyatar Banai, who, is, uh, who we've, we've played tons of his music, um, a um, great Israeli artist who uh, composes, sings, and so forth, has out many albums, crosses the lo- lo- all the lines between all the different parts of um, Israel, that he was recently performing, and he just... Just suddenly, you see, he he wasn't coordinated with the band. Something happened, and then he stopped. He told the band to stop. What happened? He forgot the words to the song. And this happens. Happens. I've seen artists actually write the words of songs and put them on the floor so that they shouldn't forget them or on, you know, like on cue cards or something. He forgot the words. So what does he do? He doesn't try to hide it. He just takes responsibility. And she pointed this out, Sivan Rav Meir, in her Yudhira Chonot column. Says Zani, it's my fault. It's not the band. It's not anything. It's my fault. I take responsibility. I forgot the words, and then he asks the audience to help him out, and then they start start up with the song. So, I'm going to play the um, the clip. I'll I'll post the video. It may be hard, a little hard to hear what's going on. Um, it's easier with the video, and then we'll play the song that he was singing. It's called Ganav. And um, let's see, I guess we'll end off with that. So we'll do the closer now. And then, um, does that make sense? No, let's do <laughs> I changed my mind. Let's do it this way. Here's Aviatar Banai live in performance. The band starts, you know, he starts mis- misconnecting with the band. And then he says, Zani, you'll hear him screaming out, Zani, it's my fault. Here we go. Here's where he starts losing it. Tells the band to stop. <laughs> yes, it's me. I don't remember the words. Sort of puts puts you in place. 
Nazi damn notch when you're performing. And you have so many fans out there applauding for you. And, and, and that's, she pointed out this beautiful moment where, you know, so many people are, are clapping for you, screaming for you, and you forget the words. And you just say, it's my fault. I forgot the words. I'm human. Then he asks people to help him. And then he gets into it. And then he gets into it. Okay, we're going to close out the show with that song, Ganav, by Yatar Banai. And a shout out to um, Sivan Rahav Meir. Go listen to the interview with her that Nachum had at 8 o'clock earlier this morning on JMDA. And please remember in your tefillot, Uri Avraham Ben Elisheva for a Rifuash Lema. Thanks so much for listening. For your Facebook likes and comments, thanks to the staff of Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, Yoni Pollock, with after further review, a new show covering the latest in the world of sports, followed by an encore presentation of headlines with David Lichtenstein, and then the great Monday music marathon. Until next Monday, following Jamie the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten, reminding you the nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Shoot, lo es, do es, no 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 es, no